0: Welcome to your skincare journey with Dermalogica. It's time to start living in your healthiest skin. Well, hello and welcome, friends. Welcome to the Living Skin Podcast. We are so excited to have you here with us today. And if you're new to listening to the podcast, we're Again, so excited to have you join us and you know, on this podcast, we talk about everything skin and this is technology, services, formulations, new products that we see out or new products that we're even launching with Dermalogica. Well, today we are really focusing on the skin aspect in this podcast and joining me today. From our Toronto offices is Karen Kelly Fernando, who is our education and training development specialist. Um, but honestly, Karen, I feel like that's just like one thing that you do. I feel you wear like many hats when it comes to curriculum, content, planning, education training testing formulations and services you are doing in all and most recently you are a leading expert in our newest course that's launched online and that's treating melanin rich skin so welcome back to the pod- podcast
1: caron thank you so much beth i am so excited to be here with you to talk about this topic so uh, thank you for having me again Yes, it's been great.
0: Now, if you haven't joined Karen and I on other podcasts, you've got to go back and listen to her latest one on the Hyaluronic Ceramide Mist, which is a toner that we have launched at Thermalogica. It's a great retail product. And we did a just an awesome episode on understanding like dehydration and using this mist and It's just such a a wealth of knowledge, Carol, that you bring to the podcast each and every time. So I'm excited for you and I to jump into this topic today, which is not only talking about the course, which we'll get to in just a moment, but more specifically, I want to focus on the aspect of touching on some common skin myths um, and also to service misconceptions when it comes to treating melanin-rich skin. So... A couple of things I was thinking of before we jumped on here today was first and foremost I think services is a is a huge thing ingredients and formulations of course so again we can talk a little bit about that but most commonly are like what clients are receiving what they think they you know can or cannot receive. But even from a skin therapist perspective, like, you know, what can I do? How do I need to, you know, change the service up? So two that came to mind for me, um, first one was sensitivity, which I think is, again, a, a definitely a misconception when treating darker skin tones and then more advanced services like chemical peels. So what are your thoughts when it comes to just general sensitivity and understanding and and treating that and melanin-rich skin?
1: Great question, Beth. I think sensitivity is one of the biggest challenges. The biggest myth for sure is that darker skins or darker skin tones cannot be sensitive. And that is simply untrue. And because of that myth, I think that's where we have a lot of challenges, especially when it comes to advanced services. So for example, in school, a lot of the times we are taught that a sensitive skin, one of the biggest manifestations or the biggest manifestation is redness. And as much as that may be true in a higher pigmented skin, because you have that brown or darker brown or black pigment you're not gonna see the redness come through as easily. And I mean, I remember early in my teaching days because that's what I was taught, I actually did say that a sensitive skin, you do see redness. However, you're not gonna see that in a, in a darker skin, but you might see other manifestations or you might feel other manifestations. And this is where you actually want to get to having that conversation, that consultation with the client. Some other things that might pop up would be the skin might feel warm. So your skin analysis, you're looking at the skin, you're touching the skin, and you're asking questions. So it could be itching, the client feels itching, they feel, you might feel welts on the skin, you might feel heat on the skin, um, you might see bruising, and the sensitivity right away may not show up as that reddish pigment. However, over time you might find that a certain area may develop a sort of a purplish hue or eventually it leads to post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation and that's the challenge, right? Right away you may not see the color, but ultimately, if it's if you think that the skin can't be sensitive or show sensitivity, you end up seeing the post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation, which is much farther, much harder to treat. So that is definitely the biggest. And I think to your point of chemical peels, because of that, the treatment with chemical peels can go one of two ways. Either people think that you can do chemical peels and they just go very strong with the chemical peels. And then, of course, that has a lot of implications on the skin. And as a result, some people might also think that a chemical peel is an absolute no-no and this is where the education comes in because chemical peels can be used it just depends on the types of ingredients the strength of the ingredients the ph of the ingredients that kind of thing
0: okay so to kind of recap that too i like what you said about sensitivity and you know kind of going untreated can lead into that post inflammatory hyperpigmentation or pih we know that obviously the melanocyte cells, Langerhans cells, everything is, it is connected that way. And especially with a melanin-rich skin, which is going to be more predisposed to, you know, suffering from post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation from inflammation, would it be safe to say that if you are not able to recognize sensitivity, that could actually lead, you know, into like another skin issue?
1: Absolutely. the the lack of ability to recognize that issue is generally what is the biggest challenge with treating melanin-rich skin because that link between inflammation and the resulting PIH Mm -hmm. is so strong. Sometimes if you're not aware of it, you are targeting, your, your goal of a treatment is one thing, but then you have to end up targeting PIH. So if you're not aware of that going into the treatment, taking a progressive versus aggressive approach, looking at ensuring that you have are constantly treating with anti-inflammatories to make sure that the skin doesn't react Mm -hmm. as it normally would and making sure that before you start the client on an advanced treatment program, that their home care, their pre-care is where it needs to be. It, whether it has anti-inflammatories or, you know, tyrosinase inhibitors to making sure that the, the skin is prepared. So once you go in with a chemical peel, for example, the skin isn't shocked too much and doesn't react. Right. As aggressively.
0: Okay. Okay. It makes complete sense. So what you said before an aspect of that redness, right, is not always going to be, a, a sign of sensitivity. You have to dig a little bit deeper. And I, I like where you brought that in about the consultation of really kind of going more for, do you feel heat in the skin? Does the client, client complain of like itching or sensations or burning when they're using their favorite products? So if you have a client in your treatment room and who is, you know, you're looking at their skin, you're like, gosh, you know what? I'm not really noticing this Inflammatory response, but they're complaining of it, or I am feeling the heat or seeing the welts. What do you recommend for a therapist to do to start being able to calm and soothe the skin in that moment?
1: Great question. To calm and soothe the skin in that moment, when you start seeing manifestations other than the redness, so if you mm-hmm. start the heat, if you start seeing probably welts happening on the skin, I like to just go into the less rule, right? So you're using less product, especially ones that are um, very active. So start using more anti-inflammatories, so less products, less friction, anything that is rough. So steam towels, um, rough gauze. So avoid using that. Less heat. So start using more cooling ingredients. So cooling masks, gel masks, that will help. And less time. So, less time working on the skin. So, I would remove any product that you think is causing, for example, if you're using a professional exfoliant, you remove that and then start using anti inflammatories, cooling products and ingredients. And you might want to use things like cool stones. If for example, there's a specific area, say the cheeks that feel really, really warm, you can go over with cool, smooth stones on the skin to help to reduce the, the heat and mm-hmm. anti-inflammatories to reduce the inflammation right away.
0: Okay, definitely. It's it's more about, like you said, following that less role. And it's also just watching touching the skin, checking in with your client. And I absolutely think the tip that you gave about pre kind of prepping the client before they come in for more of these active services is crucial. And I think a lot of, maybe a lot of clients may not know that, that, you know, if they're just using, you know, something like a cleanser and a moisturizer at home and they're coming in for a more active treatment we need to make sure that we're helping them understand how to kind of control that response so that they get those best results um let's move over to chemical peels because i think that's a huge one and i loved how you put that there. Are some people that say yes you can do absolutely everything and then there are other therapists that i think are a little bit more nervous or maybe a little bit more cautious and go gosh you know what Nope. If I have a client with Fitzpatrick four through six skin, like I'm not doing a chemical peel. So how about we jump into that and share what you recommend is a definitely you can use this or you should avoid this type of chemical peel.
1: Absolutely. So chemical peels. I love chemical peels for use on all skins, including Fitzpatrick skin types four and six. I would say my go-to ingredient for chemical peels, especially if you're looking at brightening the skin, targeting any dehydration, premature aging, will be lactic acid. Lactic acid is my one of my favorite ingredients to use. It's a bigger molecule. It is hydrating. It exfoliates and it brightens. And especially when you're working with skins of color, because we have that tendency to have that pigmentation, that PIH, and most skins of colors will want more of an even skin tone, lactic acid is the absolute perfect ingredient. So lactic acid will be my go-to. And if you have a client who has more of that oily, probably more congested, acne-prone skin, salicylic acid is one of my favorites. It is an oil soluble acid. So it is great for that oilier skin. So those will be my go-to ingredients. I would say in ones to avoid, the one that comes to mind is TCA. So TCA, trichloroacetic acid, this is quite popular on the market. However, especially when you're working with skins of color, because of how it works, It can result when you're using higher concentrations, say definitely over 10%. It can result in significant discoloration on the skin that can be permanent. So I would say avoiding this as far as possible, especially if you're not... um, you're not accustomed to working with skins of color. this is the kind of first foray you're going into definitely avoiding formulations with that ingredient and sticking to lactic acid and salicylic acid, those will be my two that I would highly recommend. Okay,
0: perfect. So salicylic acid, lactic acid, Caron is definitely giving a green light, <laughs> green light for that. For sure. I do like how you said about the TCA, like, that higher level, right? Like over the 10%, because I know there's some therapists who say, listen, I've, I have a chemical peel that does have TCA, but it's blended with other, you know, hydroxy acids, you know, is that okay? Um, What would be your advice to someone who wanted to kind of maybe use more of a blended acid like that?
1: So my advice would be if you haven't worked on the skin before, Mm -hmm. start with lactic acid and move up because you want to see how the skin responds. If the skin responds really well with lactic acid and you have a blended one with TCA and you're, you know, it's within your scope of practice, then I would say start slow and steady. So you use one, one layer and look at how the skin responds. The presence of TCA might result in sort of a frosting on the skin. And so you want to make sure that the skin isn't frosting Um, anywhere more than it should. So I would say you can use it, especially if it's under 10% in that formulation and just proceed with caution, do one layer, leave it for a while, take a look at it and definitely get feedback from the client and then proceed. Sometimes you might just need one layer and that's okay. If you're accustomed to using many other layers on a Fitzpatrick skin type, say two or three, just know that you may not, you may not, you can't, you, it is possible that you cannot use as many layers. So I would just say slow and steady wins this race.
0: Okay. And that's such great advice, Karen, too, because again, you have to understand not only the product, the formulation and your application method, but the skin physiology, right? It's just, it's the science of how melanin responds and most importantly, how melanin responds to, to trauma as well. Well, definitely, Karen, you are, you know, such an expert in the, in the subject and also too, in training and education, um, I know you and I work together, of course, on the upcoming course, uh, tra- Treating Melanin Rich Skin. And, you, and this is launched, so you guys can go up and take this course. It is phenomenal. Caron shares so much more information than we can even cover today on the podcast, but that's treating And it's a free course that's open industry-wide. So one of the questions I wanted to ask is because you do have so much knowledge and expertise. Did you, do you feel like you always had this when you were, you know, um, going through training and becoming a skin therapist, or do you feel like there's still this, definitely this gap, right. And bridging the understanding and treating of melanin rich skin.
1: Gosh, I wish that I had a course like this when I started. So, um, before coming into the industry, I did both hair and skin school and, I learned a lot, my skill grew a lot. However, in both courses, there was pretty much one chapter on global skin and all skins that fell between, say, Fitzpatrick skin type four and six was in this chapter. And for a very long time, I I came into the industry with my own practices, what I learned from my mom, my grandma, And then I said, "Okay, I am learning these new things. I'm going to practice it on my own skin and my own hair. And a lot of it was really disastrous. So even as someone in the industry uh, being taught in the industry, a lot of it for me was trial and error, trying to figure out what is working on my skin, what I need to do differently. One of the biggest things that I had to learn was the sensitivity. So I do have eczema. But trying to navigate the fact that I have eczema when I was taught that, you know, skins like mine won't be sensitive was a big thing. So I do think there's still a gap. I think fundamentally, because even in doing research for this course, there was not a lot that was available for me to pull from. So a lot of, of, of what is presented in the course was from things that I know intuitively and of course, communicating with the other experts in the course as well. So I do think there's a significant gap. I think this course helps to bridge that gap and just bring an awareness of what that we need to consider as skin therapists when treating skins of color in the industry.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's so well said, especially if the aspect that you brought in that even in your training that a lot of it was trial and error. A lot and of it. I think yeah and I think that's still is still unfortunately still happening. So obviously this course is really building that foundational knowledge and we did really dive into science and studies and research and working with dermatologists and experts in the industry to kind of bring about, you know, a more thorough understanding when it comes to treating things like sensitivity or you know, aging, and how is this going to behave if you're doing microneedling um, as well? One of the things I also wanted to kind of touch upon was, and you you started to about the importance of a course like this. It's happening, but not only is it the technique that um, the experts like yourself are, are teaching in the course, but it's also the communication because you hit on such a, a key thing that if you as an expert and a trained therapist were confused or not sure, or like, how do I deal with this? Clients are going to be experiencing the same thing. So what would you recommend to a skin therapist who's actually communicating and trying you know, to use their knowledge to help educate their clientele?
1: Great question. I think there are three key things that I'd recommend. First of all, you have to know where your blind spots are. right? I know there's there's a saying that says, you don't know what you don't know. But as a professional in the industry, you have to know that there are diverse skins out there. So know your blind spots and understand where your personal gaps are. And then seek that information out. So that's one of the first things that I would say. And within that, understanding what your scope of practice is, what your understanding is, and getting yourself up to speed in terms of knowledge and awareness. That's the first thing that I'd recommend. The second thing that I'd recommend is going back to basics with science, really understanding what that relationship between the melanocytes and the Langerhans cells, And, you know, the keratocytes, understanding that science and understanding how it differs within different Lancer scales and different Fitzpatrick skin types. Really understanding how the melanocyte responds to different trauma. So whether it is heat, whether it is light, whether it is chemical, really understanding how it responds. I think will better guide you to understand if you're thinking about, especially when you're looking at advanced services, it will help you to be more mindful when you're having those conversations with your clients to ask the right questions. Um, And especially looking at from more of a cultural intelligence that we go into in in this course, understanding, okay, why did the client Why does the client do the things they do and how the skin responds? I think that will be really important. And then ultimately what I would recommend is always taking a progressive versus aggressive approach. And at every single step, looking at the skin to see how the skin responds and to see how the client is responding. I think that is really key going by just roots like you're just accustomed to doing this or you know normally i can use three layers of this peel and just doing that that is not acceptable but definitely being more mindful and paying attention to how the skin responds will be key i think those will be my three top suggestions
0: well those are amazing three suggestions. I think everyone on this podcast is going to go back and re-listen right to this last little bit of the podcast, get those notes down about the top three things that you recommend for skin therapists who are working with and treating skin of color, which is, is so critical that you brought those into play, especially the education and training, because Mm -hmm. it is out there. Right. But like you said, you do have to look. And the first step is admitting, like, what don't I know? What don't I really feel comfortable with or, and also to not assuming I can do the same type of treatment on every single person that walks into my space. Because at the end of the day, as a therapist, you, you don't know who's coming in, right? Mm -hmm. You don't know how their skin responds yet until you get into it and understand it. And I love how you brought in the cultural intelligence aspect, bringing that into your consultation and taking a step back and really being able to ask those questions, because again, we've all learned things growing up culturally, what you should or shouldn't do or don't need to do right to, to treat your skin. Well, Karen, this has been such a great podcast as always with you. I love spending the time together and really diving into understanding services and ingredients and treating the skin. So if you guys are ready to learn more, which I know you are, you can spend some time with Caron on our new course, and that is Treating Melanin-Rich Skin. It's a free online course. It's dermatologist-approved. It's been designed by curriculum experts, and we cover things such as cultural intelligence, understanding and treating common skin conditions like sensitivity and aging and hyperpigmentation, And Caron, you do such a a phenomenal job in this course too, leading the way and understanding advanced services. So take this course, get the knowledge. We can't wait for you to to join in um, with this education training that we have for you. So Caron, thank you so much for sharing your time, your expertise, your knowledge, and your passion. And just for really just being here with us today to help each therapist definitely deliver their best treatment.
1: Thanks Beth for the opportunity.
0: Thank you for listening to Living Skin and don't forget to rate and subscribe to this podcast. If you have any topics you'd like for us to feature, send an email to livingskinpod at dermalogica.com. And until next time, cheers to living in your healthiest skin.